to C3 Church Hepburn Heights. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoy this message today. So today I do have the privilege of sharing about slightly better relationships and the topic that I'm touching on is forgiveness. So forgiveness is a key element in all our relationships because it reflects the very nature of God. Through Jesus, God has forgiven us of our sins. He has wiped the slate clean. Now he calls his followers, us, to forgive others in the same way he has forgiven us. So let's look at Matthew 18, 21 to 35. It says about forgiveness. But before we do that, for those of you that have mastered the art of forgiveness, don't switch off, but lean in and consider how you can be an influencer in this space. So as we read Matthew 18, 21 to 35 in New Living Translation. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. He goes on with a parable. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts, his accounts up to date with the servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors had brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned, to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then the master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to follow to a fellow servant who owed him only a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay, he pleaded. But the creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put into prison until the debt could be paid in full. When the son of the other servant, when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, "You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me." Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid the entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Well, so what is this passage saying about forgiveness? Forgiveness is not something we do once or twice or even three times like Peter was hoping for. In Jewish tradition of the time, it was held that forgiving three times was enough. So Peter thought that doubling it and adding one more time was sufficient. But unfortunately for Peter, Jesus was saying that there's no limit to forgiveness. Forgiveness is not collecting what is owed Forgiveness is not punishing someone even though they might deserve it. Forgiveness is cancelling the debt. 
Now, I've found this to be helpful on a very practical level, as we often assume that forgiveness or forgiving someone means that everything's healed and it's clean, we've got a fresh start. Yet in this story, that's not everything was healed. The king took a massive financial loss, millions of dollars. And in this story, there wasn't quite a clean start for the first servant who was forgiven. He was watched by others. And when he didn't forgive the relatively tiny debt of his fellow servant, his own forgiveness was basically reversed. Forgiveness was in a clear sense conditional. Jesus expected him to learn from the experience Forgiveness in this passage is reciprocal. One cannot have it without doing it. It wasn't enough to stop taking on an excessive debt that he could never repay. Jesus expected the servant to learn, to be like the king and be grateful that the king had forgave him and the servant had cancelled the debt. The, The servant was supposed to forgive others. But the servant refused. He to forgive those fellow. Sorry, he refused to forgive his fellow servant. That led to some dire consequences, as we know. In anger, the king handed him over to be tortured until he paid the entire debt. Now Jesus has a clear expectation. He forgives us, and we must learn to forgive um, ourselves and others. It's actually a pretty sobering thought when we stop and think about it. So as it said in verse 35, that's what my heavenly father will do if you refuse to forgive your brother and sisters from your heart. It sounds harsh, but it's actually precisely what we, we pray when we pray the Lord's Prayer that Jesus taught the disciples in Matthew six twelve, And forgive us our debts, as we have forgiven our debtors, letting go of both the wrong and the resentment. And he accompanies it with another sobering statement in verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive others their trespasses, their reckless and willful sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, nurturing your hurt and anger will with the result that it interferes with your relationship with God, then your Father will not forgive your trespasses. Big. I heard a story. Let me read it. 23 months ago, I had the opportunity, as we often do, to choose forgiveness. It was a day like no other day. My father had just passed away, only hours earlier, And I was leaving home to meet the funeral director and my husband. A car stopped for me from pulling out of my driveway. It was an older Italian gentleman, well-dressed, and he asked me if I was the property owner. Always a bit scary. I replied anxiously, wondering what he wanted. He served me some papers from the bank. He was saying he wanted to take possession of my house. So in short, he could see I was shocked and suitably stressed. I explained my current situation and that I was, my, my dad had just passed away. And he looked at me and his response was, and what he said, he says, 
I can tell that you're telling me the truth. It was like, oh, okay, yeah, I, why would I lie? Um, and he, he showed compassion. I didn't know this man. And he's, he, he took the envelope back off me. He's like, give me that. And he gave me a yellow piece of paper. It was a very bright yellow piece of paper. And he left me. He said, I'll deal with the bank. So he left and I left and rang. And as he left, I rang my husband to ask him if he had forgotten to tell me something. (laughs) My husband said, oh dear, I'm sorry, I can explain. I said, I'm sure you can. And we'll talk later. I actually can't talk now. I'm too angry and I'm far too upset. I hung up. I sat in the car in the driveway for a minute holding back tears and crying out to God saying, what the heck? This is too much. I need your help. I can't do this. I don't even know how I'm going to drive the car. I turned on some worship music, which is my go-to, and I drove to the meeting point fighting back tears the whole way. I arrived early and decided to pick up that bright yellow piece of paper that was on the front seat of the car that that well-dressed Italian man had given me and I made the phone call. There was a number on the paper. Now, a woman answered the phone and I had to obviously explain who I was and what I was ringing and what I was doing with this piece of paper. So I introduced myself. Now, to my surprise, this woman started... Uh, questioning me and she started putting my husband down. Now, despite the fact that I was feeling really hurt and angry and I, I found myself get really, really defensive and overprotective. It's a bit like when someone says something about, if you're a parent, says something about your kids, that lion or lioness sort of roars out of you and you get, hey, hey, that's my kid. Well, it felt the same. I'm like, hey, that's my husband. You don't know him. Um, and so... I, it, was, it was a real strange feeling. It was like I felt that I had the right to be angry with him, not this stranger. Who did she think she was? <laughs> so I got off the phone and I found myself seriously torn between my emotions of being overly protective of my husband but not so loving. <laughs> I asked God to help me in that situation. I needed to see my husband and this situation through God's eyes and he so desires to show us when we ask him to let it go. So as I called out, I'm like, give it to you, Lord. Help me to change my attitude because I need to focus on what I'm here for was to prepare my funeral for my father. So I can honestly say it wasn't a walk in the park. But what I can say is that God's grace and mercy towards us is unrelenting. Every time I wanted to make my husband pay for the hurt and stress that he caused, I had to make a choice. I had to stop and ask Jesus to show me how to see him. And the key is pray a blessing. Pray a blessing over them, even if you don't feel like it, because eventually you do. So Jesus showed me and I realised the scary thing in the midst of it was, I realised, and as confronting as it was, It was my problem. I was the one with the attitude. He was trying, all all my husband was trying to do was protect me from a stressful situation at that moment. 
So that brings me to my first key. My first key point is forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness is a choice. But if you want to walk in freedom, forgiveness is not optional. Just as much as love is a choice, forgiveness is a deliberate action. It's not something we wait to do until we feel like it. It surpasses those feelings. It creates slightly better relationships. We must practice forgiveness. Our willingness to forgive matters to Jesus because he longs for us to live in relationship with him. God's greatest delight is relationship with his people. That's you and me. And when we nurse and rehearse the past hurts, it can create a prison in our mind and our heart becomes paralysed. It stops us from moving forward. It's ultimately affecting us more than the other person because sometimes that other person's blissfully unaware that they've caused us any pain. So we've left with a choice. As a servant in the parable had a choice, he chose for unforgiveness despite being shown forgiveness by his master. So before we can walk in freedom and live a lifestyle of forgiveness, we need to understand the unconditional depth and love of Jesus and the forgiveness that we have. God's love is the foundation. Are you willing today? Are you willing to forgive others, to cancel the debt, to let it go and give it to the Lord? I know for some of you, you might be thinking, but Leanne, you don't understand. You don't understand what's happened to me. And you're right, I don't. But God does. He cares and he doesn't want you to hold on to it. He wants you to walk in freedom. And that brings me to my second point. Forgiveness brings freedom. Forgiveness necessitates knowing that we have been offended, ridiculed, betrayed, abandoned or a victim of injustice. And this does provoke a hurt in us, a hurt that can be expressed through depression, anxiety, anger, fear and addiction. And if it's not treated, that will come and destroy our relationships with other people, with God and sometimes even our own identity. So once we've recognised unforgiveness, we have to make a decision to cancel the debt. Just in Matthew 18, 27, said the servant's master took pity on him and cancelled the debt and let him go. In turn, the servant who had been forgiven refused to offer the same forgiveness to a fellow servant for much less money. But instead he went off and had the man thrown into prison. We put other people and ourselves into prison through our unforgiveness. Yet Jesus paid the ultimate debt for us. He's cancelled our debt. And once and for all, we have nothing to repay. And there's nothing we could ever do to earn his forgiveness. It's freely able to be forgiven and forgive others and walk in freedom. I'd like to invite James up to play keys, please, as I come into closing. So as I was preparing this message, I asked God just to impress upon me what he wants us to say or to do in this sense. And I had a real sense um, just to say, this: don't forgive just out of duty or to tick a box, but forgiveness is to be a response to the compassion and love that God has poured out to us. Jesus Christ, God loves us so much that he wants to set us free from the prison of unforgiveness. 
As I draw to a close, I want to pray for some key areas God has shown me when we need breakthrough in forgiveness. So firstly, I really felt there are people here that might be holding on to offence against another person. And I'm aware that those have been, there might be some of you here that have been deeply hurt and unjustly hurt by the actions of another person. And I'm really sorry that that's happened to you, that you've had to go through that. But I want you to know that God cares and He sees you. He gave His Son, Jesus, on the cross as that ultimate act of forgiveness so that you can now walk in freedom. And secondly, there might some of you here today, you've been going through a process of forgiveness. You've actually made the step, but you keep picking it up. You keep drawing it back to yourself. You're feeling torn between rehearsing that and those emotions of wanting to release that person. And thirdly, there are people here who are aware that they have wronged someone or that you've said or done or not done something but you've, and you haven't been able to forgive yourself. You've been beating yourself up to the point of self-condemnation. But Jesus already paid the price for you. You're forgiven and you can receive God's forgiveness and ask for wisdom to repair any damage caused in those relationships. So if you identify with any of those areas and you want God to cleanse your heart and afresh this morning, you want to take a posture of forgiveness in your relationships, in a prayer exchange, your unforgiveness for God's mercy, your bitterness for His kindness, your anger for His grace and your bondage for His freedom, why don't you close your eyes right now and just take a moment and if you feel comfortable enough to lift your hands before Him and I encourage you to ask God to bring to mind anyone you need to forgive and for what for. I'm just going to take a moment. Jesus, we thank you for your forgiveness towards us. Your unrelenting love. Jesus, I ask you to touch every person gathered here with your compassion and mercy today. You call us to a posture of forgiveness in our relationships. And this is only possible as we surrender to you all areas of unforgiveness and pain in our lives. And so Jesus, we surrender our hearts and lives to you right now. We give you areas of hurt and pain where we've been wronged and we forgive that person or people today. We release them from unforgiveness where we have picked up unforgiveness again or we have wronged another. We repent and turn to you. Help us to learn to forgive quickly, Lord, by recognising your sovereignty over all of the events of our lives. May we never forget that you have forgiven us far more than we've deserved so that we might display that same compassion and grace in our relationships. In Jesus' name. 
Amen. Wow, beautiful. An important, important topic. Process as you need. And you remember those bracelets we used to have back in the day that said WWJD, what would Jesus do? I think we could also have one that said, what would Leanne do? You're a pretty good human, Leanne. You're amazing. You're amazing. Can we thank Pastor Leanne? Thank you, James. You can come and join us in a few moments, but for now, you can go get a coffee or something. So uh, help yourself. Well, 2,000 years ago, a question came to Jesus. And it was a question designed to trip him up. And it actually just helped reveal his genius. And so Jesus is asked, what's the most important commandment? And his response, he, he summarizes Christianity basically in four words. He summarizes this life we're called to live, how we should focus our lives. He, he pulls it all down basically into four words, love God. And love others. Love God and love others. And so let's read here from Matthew 22, verse 37 here. And so Jesus replied, answering this question, he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And he doesn't stop there. He, he immediately bolts together. And the second is like it. Love your neighbour, love others as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love God, love others. No dramas, right? Love God. Love others. Easy to say. Rolls off the tongue quite nicely. Living that every day, we need help. You and I need help. And so it's important to ask, okay, how do I actually do this? How do I love God? What does that look like? What does that feel like? How should my life look if I'm going to live in response to that? What does it look like? How do I love God? And then how do I love others? What does Jesus mean? What does the Bible describe? What does this life look like? Because if it just remains kind of ethereal and a nice little statement, then it's hard to actually live in response to that. But for us to get down to the nitty gritty, and I remember as a 19-year-old, as I fully dived in to be a follower of Christ and, and was exploring all of this, I, I'm, I tried to figure that out. And it was a question that over the next couple of years was massive as I, as I was reading Scripture and, and saw Matthew 22 and had this kind of revelation that then kept, kept growing on loving God and loving others. And I'm like, God, how do I do this? 
If, I, if I'm going to say that I'm a follower of you, what does it look like to actually live this out? How do I love you? How do I love others? And this is an important question for all of us. And I'm going to take a, a little sideways step here just for a, a second. Are you a parent with kids at home? It sounded a bit like an infomercial, just kind of <laughs> butting in. Uh, if you're a parent with kids at home, I want to then follow up with the second question. Are you nailing it every day? <laughs> and if, if you're saying yes, then I'm actually concerned uh, at your level of self-delusion. Because, <laughs> man, we all need help in this, this parenting space. That uh, We need each other. We, we need each other's encouragement each other's wisdom, advice, insights. And, and I just want to do a, a little plug here for our Parenting Grit podcast. And th- this really, this is a place where you can find encouragement, advice, wisdom, and designed for all of us with, with kids at home and, and facilitated brilliantly by Pastors De- Derek and Genevieve. And they're, they're doing an amazing job. And we've just finished a four sessions over four months, a a podcast that is covering 10 keys for raising under 10s. And so I've I've really put, this is some of my my key thoughts in this space. And seeing as our kids have passed that bracket, I'm now going to say something about it Uh, because we managed to keep them alive and keep them reasonably functional. And now our youngest is 11. So I'm going to speak about that. And then in 10 years time, I might have something to say about the teenage years. Uh, But for now, I am seeking all of your wisdom who have been there been there first. So 10 keys for raising under 10s. And really in this, I, I, I talk about that. I think the, the overarching goal for us in our parenting is, is to help create a platform for our kids to be people who love God and love others. Kids who love God and, and love others. And, and, you know, can I also just say here that if, if this isn't a current reality for you with, with your kids, then we are standing with you in faith as you believe for them to return to that place of, of loving God and loving others. And so for us with our kids at home, as we're still engaged in that mission right now, as our kids learn to love God, then they're in, the con- they're in connection with the God of all things, with the ultimate source of love. And they're, they're, they're building their lives on the ultimate foundation. They're connected to perfect love and connected to the God who is committed to their flourishing. And so we want our kids to, to know God, to love God, but then also to understand that this life is not just about me, not to fall into to a, a consumer framework, but to go, okay, my life on planet earth is actually about loving others, for the love of God to transform and awaken me so that I'm empowered to then be His love in this, in this world. And, and so this is what we want for, for our kids. And so we unpack this and 10 thoughts in and around that. So again, if you've got kids at home, kids under 10, uh, then these 10 keys for raising under 10s will help you. And so dive into our Parenting Grit podcast. Stepping back into the message now. So again, Jesus summarized Christianity in these four words. What, what were they again? It's good. Love God. 
love others. And as we close out our 2021 Slightly Better Relationship series, I just want to finish with a, a thought around loving others. What does it look like to love others in our relationships and in a way that helps us step into the, into the slightly better? So it's so kind of a two-part answer here. Firstly, uh, maybe a bit of a, a theological summary. The Bible tells us in 1 John 3.16, we have a definition of what love is. So as we're thinking about loving others, what, what, what is the complexion of love that God is talking about? And, and here in 1 John 3.16, we see this is how we know what love is. So you want to know what love is. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters, for others. Love is not fluffy. Love is not what's portrayed in current culture. Jesus describes here what real love is, a love that frees, a love that empowers, a love that is what is intended for us to know and understand and walk in. And so we see here in this verse that love is tangible. Love has obvious substance. It has actions attached. Love is intentional and purposeful. This is what we see in the life of of Christ demonstrated here. Love is sacrificial. It costs us something. Yeah. Love is more about the receiver's deepest needs than the giver's wants. Love is life-giving. Love was seen then in the life of Christ and love is to be seen now in us. His love alive in us. And if we look at this super practically now with a a bit of a practical response, I listened to an interview with Gordon MacDonald on the Kerry Newhoff Leadership Podcast and there was a thought there that just so perfectly fitted here, if you don't know Gordon McDonald, he's a pastor leader with over 50 years experience and, and wrote the book back in the day, Ordering Your Private World, which many of you might have read 20 or so, 30 years ago. Um, and so just if, you're, if you are wanting to look it up, it's episode 366 on Kerry Newhoff's podcast. Uh, and so uh, this, it was called The View from 80, Gordon McDonald's in his 80s. 15 life and leadership lessons after eight decades on the planet. And it's a long podcast. You've got to buckle in. Uh, this I, probably took me about 10 goes to get through. is two plus hours. So just getting some little chunks. Anyway, rule 12. Rule 12. If we want to know what love looks like, then this can go a long way to helping us. Rule 12. And Gordon McDonald here, he says, be quick to say with sincerity, thank you. Well done. I'm sorry. I forgive you. How can I help? What does love look like? Here are five really practical, small things we can do to live love in our daily lives. Thank you. Well done. I'm sorry. I forgive you. How can I help? So Gordon says that these five, they represent five inner core transactions that happen in relationships and no thriving relationship can exist without all five of these characteristics. And so how do we love others? How do we take a hold of this mandate from Christ 
this call for you and I to love God and love others, how do we outwork this practically in our daily lives with, for us as guys where it's like some practical things that I can do? Give me, give me, don't give me just all this fluffy stuff. Like, how do I actually do this? Then here are five ways that every single one of us can intentionally choose and step into more and more in how we do life. And, and the love of God can be seen all through this. Thank you. Well done. I'm sorry. I forgive you. How can I help? And so I want you to think about this in a few moments as we're kind of wrapping this together this morning. What does this look like for you with your, your core relationships, those, those closest to you, your family and those friends who feel like family? So how do these five statements, how, how are they alive in those relationships. And then zoom out a little and think about your close relationships, the the friends and maybe friends sitting around you here today, people at at work or school or uni or sport. There's people we're doing life close with. What What does this look like there? And then think, zoom out a little bit further and just the connections that that you have in life. These five statements just in those, in those connections, those general social interactions that you have. Thank you. Thank you. Do you remember a time someone said thank you to you and it was just like heaven erupted inside? could be the littlest thing. Someone said, thank you. and It's like the power of God alive on the planet. How amazing for us just to say thank you to your spouse, your kids, parents, friends, the person who greeted you at the door or did something at the desk there or looked after the kids or, or the checkout chick or the checkout dude who just was relatively efficient. <laughs> Nothing groundbreaking. Thank you for being relatively efficient today <laughs> handling my groceries. Just to think, maybe they smiled a little bit. And you, hey, thanks, I appreciated your smile. Generous with our thank yous. There's a lot of love in that. I spent a bit of time in, in hospital, uh, not for me, for other scenarios going on in, in the last month. And I just couldn't help but say thank you to the nurses. And seeing, and, and one time there was this poor older gentleman who obviously had some challenges and was swearing his head off, um, saying words that should not be said out loud in that context. And trying to see these lovely nurses, trying to settle this, this guy down and ended up six security guards came and settled him down. Um, they were a little more forceful than the nurses. And uh, it's like, whoa, there's some big dudes. Uh, and I just went up to, in a couple of interactions, and I just said, hey, thank you for what you do. Um, amazing. 
Let's be generous with our, with our thank yous. Well done. Well done. And whatever other, it doesn't have to be those exact two words, obviously. Whatever language that well done feels right for you, well done. Hey, great job. I loved how you did. Hey, that was, and I, I think as a parent, I'm really good at seeing the gaps. I'm an expert at seeing what my kids aren't doing and how they didn't respond in point one of a second to what I just asked them to do. And, and it's, ah. Uh, and so I have to choose to go to that well done space. And, and I, you know, I've had to build that muscle because I've found it's easier to, to address the behaviour uh, and not encourage enough. And so maybe you, maybe you can see the gaps. You can see, and, and there's a whole lot of reasons why you shouldn't say well done because there are 27 things that they should have done better in that moment. And maybe or maybe not, you actually are right. And any of that is welcomed in whatever environment you're looking at. Don't hand me your list about the service after. <laughs> and so maybe, maybe there is actually more power in presenting a well done and a hey and filling someone with confidence. That, like for Pastor Leanne having the courage to get up here and share. Well done. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I also feel like I need to mention my kids here because I say this a lot to them. Uh, Hey, I'm sorry. Far out. I didn't get that right. I'm sorry. And we don't want to overdo this. I want to say it where there's no reason to say it. But it's powerful. If you're not good at saying sorry, then right now, just let God do something in your heart. It's powerful when... What about I forgive you? Someone should preach on that. Hang on. (laughs) I forgive you. And it starts internally, right? Maybe you get a chance to say that to them face-to-face, depending on the context, but that internal decision, I, I forgive you. And the fifth thought here was, how can I help? Now, that's dangerous. That's dangerous, right? <clears throat> how to have a slightly busier life that, that's like, <laughs> walk around saying that too much, look out. <clears throat> how can I, but it's interesting what comes out of people when you say something like that. And maybe it doesn't leave you with an action, but it leaves them feeling like someone really cared. Or maybe they, they need some help at a level that we just can't actually help with. And then it's okay. You're not now, you, you didn't just enter into a contract when you ask, hey, how can I help? That whatever you say, I will do. That's not how that works. But maybe you just know someone who could help. Or you say, look, I'm sorry, I can't do anything about that, uh, but I can pray. And I'm going to, every Wednesday, I'm going to commit to pray for you and, and pray for that. 
And that is a, and so let's have a think about these five areas in our, in our relationships. What does love look like? Well, these, these five simple statements, these five ways of leaning into relationships. Thank you. Well done. I'm sorry. I forgive you. How can I help? So I've written these on the fridge as a gentle reminder for Jace. I can do better here. And as I do, as I lean in, and, and here's the thing, right? None of us can do love in the way we need to without God's help and continual empowerment. So if you feel like you're falling short, awesome. That's where we belong because that's where His power lives. And so if you feel like, man, I don't need to do slightly better in my relationships. I need to do epically better. Then fall at the foot of the cross. Come to the Saviour and let a transaction take place where our weakness is traded for His strength, where He can take us on a journey of building His strength into our relational framework in a way that glorifies Him and guides us into the slightly better, again, for His glory. And so just close your eyes just where you are. Lord, we thank You that we can lean into You, and not just we can, we need to. And so, Lord, I thank you that you want our relationships to be filled with your love. And it doesn't mean there's not going to be challenge, but it means you're with us through every challenge. It means there is wisdom from another world. Lord, that your divine wisdom can be awakened in us. And so, Lord, for each of us, what, whatever is happening in our relational world, God, whether we need to step into a place of forgiveness as Pastor Leanne was talking about. Lord, then help us to be able to let go, to give it to You. And Lord, as we desire forgiveness from You, God, we got to extend that same forgiveness to others. And so help us, God. And Lord, as we choose to be a people who step into love, put on love, live in light of Your love, why don't you go ahead just just where you sit right now and just ask God, what do you need? Just go ahead and ask Him in this relational space. If you need grace, if you need strength, man, if you've got a tough decision to make, if there's a repair attempt you need to make, if it's just, I need to step in and I, I need to, I want to triple the amount of thank yous that come out of my mouth. I want to double the amount of well dones. What is it? Go ahead. Lord, we thank you that you loved us first. God, you're not scared off by our brokenness, but you gave your very best. You gave your very best. That we could be made whole. And so we step in today into the wholeness of Christ. 
Lord, make us holy as you are holy. Fill us with a love that overflows from heaven. Lord, that we're not striving in our own strength, but we're diving into your grace. And Lord, then we're just, we're stepping out moment by moment in your power and in your goodness. Let your love fill us and then flow from us. Be glorified in our relationships, God. Let the world see and let it be a spotlight that shines to the power of the Saviour. So we love you, Lord, in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us here on our podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more about our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, go to c3hh.com.au.